We're going to start in on our, uh, our part two of what we started last Sunday, how to reach your full predestined potential. I'm excited about this. I'm blessed by this. This is helping me, and I pray that it helps you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I God, I just ask that our hearts would be opened, um, that there would be no doubt, that there would be no negativity, Lord, that there'd be no fear, uh, God, that there'd be no rebellion, <laughs> Lord, that our hearts would just be like just simply open to you. We can trust you, God. So we just simply open our hearts to you so that you can put something good inside to us, Lord, inside of us. Lord, your word says that you pour your love into our hearts. Thank you, God. But only a heart that's open can receive that love. Otherwise, it's just poured over the heart. Lord, so pour your love into our hearts as we decide to open our hearts to you, Jesus. Amen. So last week... um, We made this statement, and if you read your sheets, it was printed at the top of of your, your experience sheet, as we call it, and this is how it read. Your potential is not based on how much you have. It's based on God's capacity to give to you and your capacity to receive from Him. That is your potential. Now, I want you to stop and think of maybe something this week that happened that was outside of what you had. You received something from God that you didn't have. So if you had limited your potential to just what you had, you wouldn't have received that thing from God. Did anybody have something God gave you this week that was outside of yourself? All right? Some people not. I don't see a lot of hands. That's all right. We have another week. All right, there's Michaela. They they received something from God that they didn't have. So their potential just broadened because they didn't limit themselves based on what they had. They limited themselves based on what God could give and what they could receive. That's the way we need to be. So let's continue on with this this question of how to reach our full potential. I want you to look at Romans 8, 29, and 30. And this is going to be our anchor scripture, both for last week, even though we didn't read it, our anchor, anchor scripture for this week, and our anchor scripture for the next two weeks, okay? And if you come on Sunday nights, we'll be exploring this even more. Um, but, but look at this scripture with me, all right? I'm going to read it once, just right through without saying anything. And then we'll go back and, and analyze it a little bit. If I, if I go off into a coughing fit, I hope you'll forgive me. Um, I'll be able to breathe in a second, and then I'll keep talking, all right? So here goes. Romans 8, 29, and verse 30 as well. It says, for those, who, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So it sounds to me that if God foreknows us, we're in pretty good shape. (laughs) Doesn't it? If God knew, what what does foreknow mean? Well, foreknown means if I, this would be weird because it never happened. But if I foreknew Kyle, in other words, before he was born, I knew of him. And I actually knew about him. Of 
course, that didn't happen because I'm not God. But God somehow knows us before we're even born. And he knows us who will willingly enter into a relationship with him. Like he knew that Tito someday would know him. He knew that before Tito was even born. How could God do that? Well, God has this attribute, this characteristic that's called omniscience. It means he knows everything. He knows everything. And listen to this. He knows everything at all times. All right? So he's not just limited to current knowledge. He's limited to future knowledge. That's the God that we serve. So he foreknew those who would come into relationship with him. Isn't that exciting? I'm grateful for that because in doing so, look at all the waterfall of goodness that happens after that. He predestines those who he knows he will know. That's amazing. It's hard to get your mind around that that type of thing. Now, let me tell you what foreknowing isn't. Foreknowing isn't that he makes you know him. It just means that he knows that you will know him. It doesn't mean that he comes and twists your arm and says, Conrad, I'm sorry, buddy. You're going to be my best friend whether you like it or not. That's not what foreknow means. It doesn't mean he predetermines things. It just simply means that he knows in advance that they will happen. And so, thankfully, Maggie, who he knew before she was ever born, that she was going to know him, he said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and predestine your whole life for you. In a good way, in a powerful way, in an awesome way. Praise God. So, foreknow has wonderful implications and we're going to study that a little bit more on a Sunday night sometime. And I'll tell you whenever we're going to do that. But it, we want to focus on our predestined potential. So we're going to really key in on this word and the meaning of this word, predestination. So it says, those God foreknew, he also predestined. He predestined one of the most exciting words in the whole Bible that some people embrace and other people Avoid, because there's great conflict. If you've been in church any, any length of time, there's all kinds, well, not all kinds, but there's a couple of thoughts on what predestination means, and we're going to explore some of that today. But it says, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He predestined, and we're talking about predestined potential this morning. So let's explore, let's, let's study what this word predestination means. Predestination has a lot more oomph behind it than foreknowing. It means God gets involved and starts taking a pretty proactive uh, role in your life. He starts moving and shaking some things in your life, sometimes whether you like it or whether you don't like it. It's an active word. He gets the destination in, in, in mind, and he sets you on that path in that direction. All right? It also means that he appoints beforehand. So he could take Teresa, for instance, and he says, you know what, Teresa, I foreknew you. I'm going to appoint you to a specific thing in your life. You're going to love it, Teresa. You're going to love it. That's predestination. But if you break down this word predestination in the Greek, and I'm no Greek theologian or scholar, but I can read books as best as, as well as you can, all right? Predestination is, has two pieces to it in the Greek uh, in the Greek word, and it's pro, 
Horizo. Pro Horizo, okay? Pre and pro both mean the same thing. In advance, okay? Ahead of time, all right? Before is really what it means. Pro means before. And horizo, guess what word we get from horizo? Horizon, all right? He says, I'm going to give you your horizon for your life. And it has to do with a marking out of your boundaries. And I'm going to talk about boundaries a lot. The marking out of the boundaries of your life. Long, huge, extensive, massive boundaries of your life that God says, this is yours Go get it, boy or girl. Go get it, woman. (laughs) Go get it, elderly man. Don't back down. This is yours. I've given it to you. This is predestined for you. And I want you to go after it. Now, it's a shame that we've limited predestination to a simple free ticket into heaven. Because it's so much more than that. Free ticket into salvation. It's so much more than that. It's about this life and what God has called you to accomplish with your life. And he says, I'm giving it to you, but you got to go get it. I'm giving it to you. It's your predestined potential. I've, I've opened the door for you. Now go get it. So let me reread this, this scripture here. Um, before I do that, let me, let me mention one other thing. He predestined us to be, all right? Now, he didn't say, I'm going to give you this bright future, but it's all for you to enjoy, just for you to feel good about yourself, to drive a nice Cadillac, to have a big house, to do. That's where the prosperity teaching sometimes gets intermixed with the Bible and, and sets us off in the wrong direction. Listen to this. He predestined us to be. There's a purpose for our horizon. There's a purpose for our boundaries, for the good land that we're to enter into. And listen what that purpose is, to be conformed to the image of his son. God's plan for your life is for you to ever increase glory to glory, looking more and more like Jesus, acting more and more like Jesus, talking more and more like Jesus, being entertained as Jesus would be more and more and more becoming more like him. That's the purpose of your predestination. The predestination, yes, you get to enjoy it, love it, live it, but it's for God's purpose, not for your own. So we got to remember that. So let me read this scripture as if I were putting it into my own words, paraphrasing it as I, as I would say it myself. Those who God knew beforehand would enter into a relationship with him, he went ahead and established a supernatural, massive potential for their lives for a specific purpose. Amen? Now, this doesn't matter. You could be 92 years old, 94 years old. I don't know how old HM is. But you could be have most of your life behind you, and God's potential could still be insanely powerful for your life. Insanely powerful. How do I know? Well, I have a grandfather, my dad's dad, who built his first church, if I'm not mistaken, when he was 70 years old. Entered into pastoring at a very late stage in life. So don't you dare for a second think, too much of my life has passed. I've done too many things wrong. I'm headed down, headed down the slope. When God say, no, you're headed up the slope because I've got potential for you that will blow your mind. 
Praise God. So biblical, I've learned this recently. When you, when you read a verse in the Bible, don't go and build a religion out of it. <laughs> don't go and build a doctrine off of it. You know, that's how cults, you know what a cult is? A cult is a close-knit group of people that have a very strong belief in something. And once you join their cult, you better stick with it because they're going to punish you for leaving. We're not a cult, all right? Christianity is not a cult. The Bible does not promote this type of behavior. So it's very important when we get a truth, something's written in the Bible, that we flesh it out with stories from the Bible, how this truth was put into action so that it makes sense to us. So often, preachers, teachers, leaders, they take one truth and they just fixate on it and they don't get the whole picture. They don't get the context many times of the whole uh, passage that it was written in and then they make mistakes based off of that. So we don't want to do that this morning. We want to take this truth and flesh it out and understand it then we'll be able to understand what God is telling us about that truth and not interpret it, us, interpret it with our own uh, carnal mind, our own just human mind. So predestination is so much more than just going to heaven, just as if that were just a small thing. It's important. There's something, I don't think we fully understand, there's something important about conforming to Christ's image while we're alive. We're preparing for heaven, all right? Those who would think predestination means I get a free ticket to heaven and now I can party hard, I can do whatever I feel like doing, they haven't understood predestination. (laughs) Predestination is about the boundaries of this life and you fulfilling your God-given predestined potential in this life. So let's look at this application of God's predestined potential. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12 and 13 and 14. Many of us know this, but I bet we've never really stopped to think of it in terms of predestined potential. All right, predestined potential. I'm going to read it to you and and stop and comment as we go here. It says, for I know, this is God speaking, I know the plans I have for you. He does. Do you know the plans God has for you? Well, some of us might, some of us might not. The The good thing is, God knows God knows your predestined potential. He knows the plans that he has for you. What kind of plans? Well, they're plans to prosper you. So these are good plans. So the person that says, you know what? God wants me sick the rest of my life. You know what? They're wrong. God has plans for you, good plans. The person that says, God wants me to be poor the rest of my life. God says, no, no, no. I've got good plans for you. God wants me, I've heard this said before, God wants me to get a divorce so I can be in the ministry for him. Baloney, God doesn't want you to get divorced. He has good plans, plans to prosper you, and it says here, plans to give you, uh, not to harm you, okay, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And you know what? Your future, it's not there, it's now. (laughs) Your future starts now. And we need to begin to see life that way. So he's predestined your life with wonderful plans for you. He wants you to enter into friendship with him because that's the source. He's the source of this predestined potential. And he's marked out your future as an extensive, expansive, wide, broad land 
that you're in, to enter into. But let's read verse 12 because it doesn't stop there. Many of us stop there and we say, God has plans, God has plans. We got to know why God has plans for us. All right, it says in verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray and I will listen to you and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Whenever you seek for me with all your heart, and I will bring you out of captivity. There's so much in there. The person who says, I'm predestined by God. I have potential. I have a future. You know what that person's going to do? They're going to seek God with all of their hearts. But the person that says, I'm a nobody. God doesn't have plans. I'm not good enough. You know what? They're not going to seek God because they're under condemnation. But when you step out from under that condemnation and say, God has chosen me, I'm a child of God, I might be imperfect, but God has plans for me, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be on my knees seeking God with all my heart. I'm going to be coming to church because I know when I get into church, I receive from God. i got to have more from God. That's why I go to church. I don't go to church because I should. I go to church because I need to, because I want to. Amen. As soon as church becomes a must, we fall into legalism and we lose it all. It has to be a desire because you receive, you receive, you receive. And so the person who knows God has plans for them, let me ask you, how many of you know God has given you potential? All right. How many of you believe that? All right. You're going to be the ones that seek God because you know God is has a portal of potential for your life. All right, so let's let's look at another scripture. We're fleshing out what this predestination means and what implications it has. All right, a person that says, I'm predestined, therefore I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. They've missed the boat. They're off on the right and wrong track. All right, and the person that says, there's no predestination. I have total free will. God has told me I can do, you know, I make all my decisions. They're off on the wrong track as well. This predestination business is somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, all right? Ephesians 2, 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork. Jenny is God's handiwork. Hey, Sarah is God's handiwork. Created in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, what? To do good works to do good works. What? Holy cow. Here it is. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's predestination. He's prepared for you good works in advance for you to do. And all you need to do is discover those good works. Listen to God, follow Jesus, and you will discover the good works. What what are some good works? Well, let me tell you one of them. One of the ones that God has given to me about 10 years ago I had this epiphany, and I'll tell you, I give God all the credit, so it had to come from him. I'm sitting at work, and I see how people don't work well together, and God gave me a solution of how to get people to work well together in the workplace. Well, I sat on that thought for about eight years, and about two years ago, I felt the Holy Spirit say, now it's time, and I said, time for what? It's time. It's time for you to take that idea and put it into practice. So I took that idea. I wrote up an 18-page White papers, we call it, a document. I presented it to my boss. God's favor was upon me because it's a predestined idea. I took it to my boss, and he said, I like it. Let's try it. He said, go build a computer system to do this. So I went to our smart information technology IT people, 
We worked it up. We created We've done it for almost 13, 16 months now. And I got this email back from this maintenance director. Okay, we have properties that my company has properties all over the country. And this maintenance director up in Seattle email me and his boss back, and he says, we call it the star system, okay? This this computer system, we call it the star system. He said, the star system is the bee's knees to me. I hadn't heard that term in I don't know how long, the bee's knees. That means it's cool, all right? You know how well that made me feel? All right? A good work, a good work. Are all good works in the church? No, they're out there, out there. That's where the good works are. Get out. Let God use you. Some of you might be inclined to start a hospital ministry for people that have lesser needs. That's a good work. Some of you might be wanting to start something for for, um, special needs children. You got an idea that's been going over in your mind. Or somebody might have something for the teaching profession, uh, something that's rattling around in your brain. That's a good work, and God predestined you to go tackle that and make it happen. All right? Stop thinking little and start thinking big. I'm going to do big things for God. I'm going to help the homeless. Or I'm going to go help the underprivileged. Or I'm going to go do this or that. And God's going to bless you as you explore the predestined potential that God has given you. Don't back down. Praise God. So in advance, he's prepared good works. I feel a cough coming on right now. Pray for me that it doesn't start. Here we go. In Acts 17, we're fleshing out this predestined potential thought that we have here, this truth in the Bible. Acts 17, 26 and 27 says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. I'm telling you, the potential for you and me, it's the whole earth. One man. How many times is one man, one woman, Change the course of history. You can do it, Jasmine. You can do it. He's given you potential. All right? It says, he marked out their appointed times. Who's he? That's God. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. That's their potential. There it is. All right? God did this. Why? Listen, here it is again. That they would seek him. That they would seek him. When you start contemplating the plans God has for your life, you want to seek the Lord with all your heart. Because you see, it's coming from Him. He's your source. I may as well connect to God. That they would seek Him, perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. And that's where that beautiful scripture of Jesus saying, coming in and He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's near, it's close. And repentance simply means turning away from your old life and reaching out to grace. (laughs) That's that's repentance. I turn away from my yuckiness that I can't control. I let go of it and I say, I hold on to grace, God's grace, God's goodness. I want more grace, Jesus. That's repentance. It's not far from you. It's, It's within reach of each and every one of us. But I want you to know something, these boundaries, this predestined potential. When we hear boundaries, we think limitations. Well, God, are you telling me this is all I can get? I want more. Why are you limiting me, God? Well, let me tell you what, God's boundaries are expansive and extensive, and it'll take the rest of your life to reach all the boundaries that God has given you. 
These are not limitations. These are massive, huge stretch boundaries. Stretch boundaries. There's no limitations, and I want to give you an example of this. Again, now we're starting to take stories. I'm going to give you some stories that speak of predestination, that speak of potential. Here it goes in Genesis 12. A man named Abram. Now, if you've been in church any long time, you'll recognize that name. But if you, if you don't, let me, exp- let me tell you who Abram was. Abram was a man who was really the father of the modern-day Jewish nation. All right? He's the father of the Jewish nation. And eventually, God changed his name. Maybe you'll recognize this name to Abraham. All right? We won't get into the meanings of his name right now. But God comes to Abram when he's 75 years old, all right? So don't think you're too old ever to do something for God. He comes to Abram and he says, go from your country, your people, your father's household to a land I will show you. And that tells me something right now. If you want to reach God's potential in your life, you've got to leave where you're at right now. You've got to leave it. Walk away from it. Take a step of faith. Cross the threshold of change. We hate change, right? Step over the threshold of change and say, God, I'm entering into my new potential with you. I'm leaving my past behind me, and I'm moving into a new land. You know how scary that is? (laughs) You know how terrifying that is? Honestly, it's terrifying to us, but God's saying it's not a big deal. Where you're going is a lot better place. Trust me. We were singing about trust. Trust me and see, but take the step for crying out loud. So here's the promise that God makes Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. It's this word blessing over and over and over and over again. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you with friends. He wants to bless you. Pardon me. I'm not a prosperity teacher, but he wants to bless you with money. He wants to bless you with a a place to live and a place and a play in clothes, and, and a nice car, and, and a good marriage, and, and good kids. He wants to bless you. There's nothing wrong with receiving God's blessing into your life. So maybe I am a prosperity teacher, because I believe God wants to prosper. He doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to succeed. The minute you start thinking God wants you to fail, game over. You know, because you're not good. you got that in your brain. It's going to come out of your mouth, and it's just going to be self-prophetic, man, self-fulfilling. God wants to bless you. He says, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Boy, that's a pretty intense defense. Don't, you don't have to, let me tell you something. You don't have to defend yourself. Stop trying to defend yourself and let God defend you, all right? All the people of earth will be blessed. Um, earth, earth will be blessed. My kids are going to make fun of me at the end of the service, so I may as well make a big deal out of it. All right? Now, if you skip one chapter, Genesis 13, 14, go with me there. Genesis 13, 14. Abram has made the leap. He left his house, his family, his people. He went to the land of Canaan. He stepped over the threshold. He made the change. And God speaks to Abram and he says, look around from where you are. (laughs) Look around from where you are. 
You may not like where you are, but go ahead and look around from where you are. In another scripture, he tells Abraham to look up. All right? But I encourage you, go home to the situation that you're in. Go to the job, the marriage, whatever, the financial situation. Go into it and look around and listen to the scripture. Look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. All the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. How? What kind of a promise? Just unstoppable, predestined potential is that? I'm going to give it to you and to your kids and their kids' kids forever. I have predestined it for you, in other words. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. And listen to this, verse 17. Go walk the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. You know what? We need to start walking in our potential. You know, Abraham was walking into other people's cities and saying, you know what? In my heart, this is my city. (laughs) He walks through somebody's vineyard because that's what he did. The rest of his life, he walked the breadth and length of Israel. He just walked it. It was his. You know what? You walk your marriage and claim it. This is my marriage. I'm not going to let it be stolen from me. Amen? This is my income. I'm not going to let it be stolen from me. These are my kids. God has given them to me. No one's going to steal my kids from me. Amen? You start, look at your checkbook. If there's five bucks there, those are my five bucks. Nobody's going to take that from me, and God's going to multiply it. Amen? You start walking in your ministry, all right? You start walking, you might have a little itty-bitty ministry. Praise God for itty-bitty ministries. Uh, if, if we didn't have them, there wouldn't be any ministries out there, right? You walk into that, that thought of ministry and say, I'm walking this ministry. This is what God's given me. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen, and I'm walking the breadth and the length of it. Amen. So he spent the rest of his life, and you know what? It took all his life to get to those boundaries and walk the promised land that God had given to him. So... I had a thought that maybe I would quit here, but I'm not going to. We can keep going. Look at this. Just a little bit more fleshing out. Just a few more minutes, okay? We have the story of the Israelites. So now we're going to give it a picture. We see Abraham walking around. Okay, that's cool. There's something bigger and more powerful in this, and it it happens uh, well over 500 years later in Numbers 34 1 through 12. So Abraham, his son, do you, do you know who Abraham's son was? Isaac. Do you know who Isaac's son was? Jacob. And then do you know who Jacob's son was? Joseph. Well, he had 12 sons, but one of them was Joseph. All right, yeah, no. <laughs> Nobody trusts me. Wrong. Um, so... Joseph is the guy that got sold by his brothers. Do you remember that story? He got sold into, in, into Egypt, and there he became, call it the prime minister of Egypt. His brothers, through a famine, came to him along with his aging father, and they were given the land of Goshen, which was part of Egypt, and then their family just exploded. I mean, they had kids, 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 
that generation died and the Egyptians quit having so much favor with these Israelites. And for 430 years, I believe it was, the nation of Israel grew within Egypt as slaves up to about 2 million people. All right? Then God sent this man named Moses, who was an Israelite. He came out of, he murdered, this is a long, crazy story. If you want an interesting story, read all of this. I mean, it's like a novel. Moses comes out of Egypt for 40 years, sits in the desert. Then God calls him back into Egypt to pull these 2 million people out of slavery. All right? Now, our country has been in place for 240, 250 years. They were slaves for 430 years. That's all they ever knew was slavery. All right, so this group of people comes out, and while they're in the desert, they're, they're in the desert for a, a t- period of time that I'll describe here in a second. God appears to Moses, and he says, I'm giving you the promised land. And in Numbers 34, I won't read it all because I can't even pronounce some of these names here, but he, he said, I'll read part of it. The Lord says to Moses, command the Israelites and say to them, when you enter Canaan, not if, when, that's predestination. <laughs> it's not if, it's when, all right? The land that was allotted to you as an inheritance is to have these boundaries, predestined potential, all right? Now we're getting a real picture of this. It's not just words on a book. It's a picture, all right? He says, your southern side will include blah, 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 blah. All of these, these boundaries. Your western boundary will be the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. See, I can pronounce that, so I'll read it. All right? Then your boundary on the west, uh, this will be your boundary on the west, excuse me. For your northern boundary, the Mediterranean Sea, Mount Hor, and blah, 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 blah. Then your eastern boundary, and then down in, I think is verse 12, this will be the land with its boundaries on every side. This is your predestined potential. See, God did it over and over and does it over and over and over again. This is the way that God works. And so God promised this land as their predestined potential. Stretch boundaries. It took hundreds of years to get close to these boundaries. And quite frankly, they never, ever completely took the whole land, even to this day. All right? When we get to heaven, God's going to say, here was your potential, and you got this far. This big, this much. Do you want that? Or do you want God to say, good job, man. I gave it all to you, and you took it all. You took it all. All right? I gave you healing. You took healing. When you needed provision, you received provision. When you had a relationship problem, you took healing. When you had struggles in your brain, I, you took mental healing and deliverance in your mind. You took it. All right? And so God gives us this predestined potential. Do we fall short? Did the Israelites fall short? Yes, they did. All right? Do we fall short of our potential? Absolutely. So let me give you some insight into that. Just because God predestines it to happen doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. You play a part in it. You cooperate with God, and it will happen. It'll happen big time. All right? So Deuteronomy 1.8, don't worry, I'm almost done. Deuteronomy 1.8, it says, See, I have given you this land. I've predestined it for you, in other words. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give 
to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to, the, to the, their descendants. So remember, you play a part in God's predestination. You're part of this. Amen. What are your, what are your, uh, your enemies? Well, since we don't have a lot of time, fear. Fear can keep you from reaching your potential. All right? Doubt can cause you to not reach your full potential in Jesus. Laziness. Did you know laziness, just sitting back and waiting for everything to come when Jesus says, get up and go make it happen? Laziness can be your, can be your enemy. Distraction. Reaching out for potential here and here when God says, I have it all here. Stop getting so distracted. Come to me. Seek me. And then a negative thought pattern is devastating to your potential. When you think you're lame and you can't accomplish anything, your past is too horrible, and you're not smart enough, intelligent, that's negativity, and it will destroy your potential. Look to God and stop looking at yourself. Say, God, you have everything I need. I know I'm lacking, but you aren't lacking, and that's all that counts. All right? So just a couple more scriptures. This is, this is good, and I'm literally leaving out a whole section, which is tragic. But here it is. Deuteronomy 126, there's one whole generation. After two years in the desert, this generation comes out of Egypt. They go to Mount Sinai. They receive the Ten Commandments and a lot of other instruction from the Lord. And two years later, they're on the doorstep of their promised land. Two years. And actually, it could have been about a 55, 56 walk, day walk from Egypt to the promised land. But it was two years. That's how God directed them. They're on the doorstep, and they rebel against God. <laughs> they rebel. How can you rebel against your potential? Why would you do that? But they did it. They send spies into the land, 12 spies. Ten of them come back. All 12 of them come back, but 10 of them come back. And they do something, I'll tell you in just a second. But the point is, it's in Deuteronomy 126, this first generation of Israelites rebel against God. What does it mean to rebel? Rebel just says, no, God. No. Have you ever done that before? I have. I've rebelled. No, God. No. I don't like you very much because what you did to me. All right, that's rebellion. All right? And that stops your potential in its tracks. Boom. You can't move forward. All right, so they rebelled. And then in Hebrews 3.19, we see another thing that got them into trouble. It says, so we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. They didn't believe God. God said, I've given you this country. And they said, I don't believe you. Well, if you don't believe, then you're not going to do it. But if you believe God, you believe God. If he says, I've given something to you, just believe it. If God says, I've, I, I'm going to take care of your problem, just believe him. Just trust him, all right? The third thing that they did, I told you there's 12 spies, 10 of them came back, and in Numbers 13, 32, it says, they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report. They spread a bad report. And that report went in amongst these 2.5 million Israelites, and it convinced them to turn back to the desert for another 38 years. 38 years of misery. And those, that generation died in the desert because of a bad report. What is a bad report? That lie in your mind. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're going to be lonely. You're going to be miserable. You're never going to be healed. Your finances are never going, never, 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 never. Bad report. 
stop listening to the bad report and start listening to the good report. What is God telling you? And listen to that. And then your potential will thrive and grow and and open up and you'll be able to do things you never dreamed you would be able to do. Don't listen to a bad report. Many churches are full of bad reports. Law, legalism, you failed, you didn't do enough. Bad, 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 bad report, and the church never does anything, the people never do anything. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to tell you, by the grace of God, I can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're going to hear a good report from God, not a bad report. Amen? It's the grace of God that gets us to the place where we don't have to sin anymore. Grace first, righteousness follows that. You can't create your own righteousness anyways. All right? So, let me just tell you the scripture. I promise you I'm done. Psalms, we're skipping Joshua 1, 2 through 9. It's in the reading. Read it for yourself and see how Joshua, how God speaks to Joshua about his potential. But here goes. Psalm 16, 5 says, I'm almost there. Psalm 16, 5. Lord, you alone are my portion, my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. That's for you. That's for you, my friend. What's your name? Is it Carlos? Carlos, that's for you. Your bound, God's boundaries for your life have fallen in super pleasant places. And I'm telling you, you accept God's grace in your life, and all of that's going to come to life for you. It's going to come to life for you. That's not just Carlos. That's Estella, and that's Jimmy, and Shelly, and my parents, and Kyle, and Cole, and Madison, all of us. Amen. Berman, every one of you. That's not just, you want a charmed life? <laughs> Begin to walk in your predestined potential, and God's going to give you an unbelievable life. You'll have problems, but God will help you through those problems. Okay, repeat this out loud if you're willing to, all right? Never done this in church before. I've seen other people do it. This is my first time, so I'm a little anxious. But say this if you believe it, all right? I am predestined by God. I have a predestined life. Through Jesus, I have unbelievable supernatural potential. Supernatural potential. For a specific God-given purpose. I am loved by God. And nothing can separate me from his love. Therefore, I will not be afraid or discouraged. I believe God. And I will cooperate with God's grace. Amen. You don't need anything else. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, I pray that you would make your face to shine upon us. Lord God, that you would bless us. Lord, break those chains, Lord, of despair, of discouragement, Lord, of fear, of distraction, Lord, of negativity. Lord, and help us to begin and embrace the powerful grace of the cross of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We have unlimited potential from you for your purposes, Lord Jesus. Help us to begin to walk in that light. 
Lord, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And we see example after example after example in the Bible of how this predestination works and what it means to us, Lord, today. So Jesus, take us, Lord. Help us to take these experience sheets. Lord, there's Monday through Friday, and there's even bonus reading at the end, Lord God. Lord, back in front, help us to take these sheets and inhale them. Digest them, Lord God. Live by them, Lord. Be strengthened by them, by your word almighty. We thank you, Jesus, for it. Take us and bless us this week, we pray. Amen.